0: And the sidelines. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily.
1: Promise, Mess, I wouldn't do this.
0: McDavid stops up. What a move! Shoots! Scores!
1: Everybody. Welcome to the Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownlee. Joining us today is the voice of the Ottawa Red Blocks. Sorry, that's the Ottawa Red Blocks. Are you still capitalizing Red Blocks, AJ Jackybrick? Uh, It's capitalized on the website.
0: I just use their handle. I don't oh. like writing out all the caps.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, now I got to be right up front here. We are, what, five weeks into the schedule? I haven't watched a single game yet of the CFL season. That is, for me, absolutely inexcusable and shocking. A guy who grew up with this league. I haven't watched a single game. So I come into the studio this morning, and Robin, you're chirping at me like it's the end of the world. You're using words I haven't heard out of your mouth in a long, long time. You lead A.J. into this one.
2: Well, I mean, AJ, I don't have to lead him into it. He's he's in the middle of it. But I'm watching that play uh, with Jeremiah Mazzoli and uh, uh, Garrett Marino, and I'm thinking, did I see that at the end? It looked like there was a little a, a little twist. And it, in real time, it's hard to tell whether a guy's just getting untangled. And I'm like you know, he he did something there, and then we see Mazzoli's hurt. Now then you do the follow up, and I'm thinking that's I'm thinking that's bullshit. What kind of that's not a hit? That was a a, a late hit, and arguably he did get two handed on the numbers as he was going by, and could have fallen into into Mazzoli. But then you look start looking through stuff about what people are saying that he had another instance where. Went low on Mazzoli. This isn't the first time. And then that little twist. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's got to be suspended. Now I go on this timeline. I start looking up this guy, and what I get. And I'm I, if I'm speaking out of line here. That's okay. It's our podcast, Bryn. I'm thinking, this guy looks like a bad guy. This guy looks like a mouthy, look at me, strut around, I'm a big deal guy. And then I see Nate Bahar's interview talking about this guy being exactly that kind of guy. And I see Milt Stiegel talking about it being a gutless play. There's a lot of people around this league, they care about the league, And even when some things look a little bit out of line, they will play it down because they don't want to jump on the shit stuff that happens and play that up. They're turning loose on this guy pretty good. It tells me that a lot of people think this guy's a jerk. They know he's a jerk. They know he's a bad guy. And for me, if that's true and I'm not an Ottawa red black supporter, I I I love the league get this guy gone because you don't need that in this league. That my three minutes right there. AJ over to you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, well, I got
0: pretty animated. Uh, You're kidding. <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> You've probably heard that once or twice. Hey, eh, Brent. Oh yeah. Um. And, and my color analyst, Jeff Avery, he was right there with me. I, and I think the play itself is brutal. Okay. So like, but we we've seen dirty plays in the league. They generally get, you know, a couple of games. You know, Simone Lawrence done Zach Kalaros, uh, Kyrie Sebert had one on BJ Cunningham as a member of the Red Blacks in 2018. He got to spend it twice in 2018, a one gamer and a two gamer. So I look, I've seen dirty plays, but to me it was the whole of it, right? And so you got a player with a track record. You've got the play itself, which looks like he intended to, to injure him. But but the, the worst part of it for me was just how he acted after the fact, how he basically celebrated the fact that he injured a star player in this league and a quarterback. Um, so uh, I, I don't really have a comparable. The, the best comparable that I have was bringing the Canadian Football League into disrepute. And I kind of thought of the Jeff Kugel incident when he got turf by Dave branch. And they said, you know what? You're not coming back because it was just the whole of it. Right. And then you had Nate Bihar's comments. And I've known Nate for almost a decade because he played at Carlton for five years. He is a quality individual. And I get, we're talking about he said, she said type, type of stuff, but the allegations of, you know, what Garrett Marino said the night before the keg, the allegations of, you know, racist remarks on the field, um, you know, that that's why I think we're getting an investigation, right? You don't need to investigate what the play was. You don't need to investigate his response after the fact, which was gloating and basically uh, celebrating down the sideline after he injured the player. You don't have to investigate his history. It's it's there to to see and you know, hear from players like Trevor Harris, who basically won't even refer to Garrett Marino by name and said the same thing he tried to, to do to him i mean this is a player we don't need in the canadian football league as far as i'm concerned so yeah i mean preaching to the choir robin in terms of what you're saying here and uh, we'll see what uh, comes out of this investigation and i hope look i'm all for second chances um you know i'm not going to say you should be thrown out of the league forever but you know i'm advocating a end of season suspension and if you want to come back and have the redemption story. We'll, we'll hear from you in 2023. But as far as 2022 con, is concerned, and look, this doesn't benefit the Red Blacks at all. They're done with Saskatchewan. So what's done is done. doesn't matter if he's suspended or not in terms of how it's going to affect the Red Blacks going forward. I just don't want to see this type of action condoned in the Canadian Football League. And if you give them a slap on the wrist, to me, that that's, that's a bad look for everybody because the whole of it, the play, uh, the the allegations, and certainly uh, how he celebrated it uh, should have no place in professional sports.
1: So how's this playing out with the fan base in Ottawa?
0: Well, they're they're pretty upset about yeah. it. I mean, th- we're, we're talking about a team that hasn't been very good the last couple of seasons. And, you know, they're, they're sold a lot of hope in the offseason. They looked pretty good the first two games of the season against uh, a Winnipeg team that's you know the best in the league. They probably deserved a better fate, but your record is your record, right? So you're 0-2 out of the gate, then you lose to BC. You go into Saskatchewan, you got some injuries, now you're 0-4, and now your quarterback's done for the year. At least at 0-4 mm-hmm. before the injury, you can say, okay, you're 0-4, but the East stinks. Uh Montreal's got one win. They already fired their coach. Toronto's only got one win. Um, they're fighting on the sidelines every second week, and you're playing Hamilton this week, 0-4, 0-4. Um, now, um, all of a sudden, some of that hope, you, you talk to fans, and they, they basically are expecting similar things to what we saw the last couple of years. I don't have to tell you guys, right? I mean, uh, it's over 1,000 days now, right, between home wins? Yeah. Like Ottawa's lost 16 of their last 18 at home, and I can tell you because I looked it up, it's the second worst stretch in the history of the Canadian Football League, of, of home football, the worst. Guess where it was? It was in Ottawa in oh. the late 1980s, stretch from 1987 to 1989, Super Season 88, was a part of that super season 88 was actually what they build the season as because they were hosting the gray cup and they ended up finishing two and 16. So, um, it is, you know, that that's, what well, but, but it was a great gray
2: cup.
1: The gray cup was great there in Ottawa. I got to yes, tell you.
0: Yes, it was. What a big BC. Yes. Just not a very good season for Ottawa. Yeah. But that, that group had lost 19 of 20 at home. So Ottawa fans have been through this before they've lost 16 of 18. They're just looking for some hope. And now, you know, We've gone from, okay, you know, what should you do? When do you fire the coach? All those kind of things, right, in terms of what the fans are saying, to, okay, this is crap. This guy needs to be thrown out of the league because now it feels like this might be another lost season here. And that that's bad for – it's bad in so many ways, right? I mean, I brought up the disrepute of the Canadian Football League and, and, and how this doesn't look good and reflect well on the league in terms of what we saw on the weekend, but how is it for business for an Ottawa team that that's looking to sell tickets? Um, You know, it's, it's, it's not good on so many levels, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the CFL does. I'm hoping they come down with a really harsh decision because this seems like a player that needs to be humbled a little bit.
2: As a follow for me, AJ, I don't have my only dog in this fight is the CFL because I care about the league. Um, Any one of the couple of issues here uh, to me would warrant uh, a lengthy suspension. The trash talk, if it included uh, a racial components, you can't do it. And I'm 60 something year old guy. Uh, I know there's some people from my generation and, oh, you know, sticks and stones and blah, blah, blah. Don't get so woke. Don't get so carried away. It's just, no, you can't say that stuff anymore. That on its own is enough to say you're out of here. Maybe not forever, but you're going to be sitting for a while. But that is, with the dirtiness of the play, and like you said, you don't need to investigate the play. You can see it. Once you slow it down, you can see that little torque at the end that I think did the damage. Um, the flexing, I mean, really? Uh, you, you went through it all. You, you summed it up perfectly, AJ. I just think when these two are a part of the same guy, the racial component and this, I'm going to come up here. This guy's got no real history in this league. The league doesn't need Garrett Marino. He's not a star player. He's not a guy who's got a long history of of great play, and he's gone gone off the rails and done something stupid because whatever, he's having some issue off the field. This is a guy coming up here, and maybe I'll get myself in trouble, but I said it to Bryn before he went on. He's all tatted up, and I don't mind tattoos, but he looks like the freaking guy – who's walking along at the music festival with the 150 pound pit bull on the chain, strutting around, trying to say, everybody look at me, look how F and tough I am. Don't you screw with me. And I got no time for a guy like that. I don't care how he looks except when how he looks fits in with a pattern that we're seeing. And you're going up. Oh, yeah, that fits. Get him out of here. I'm done
0: yeah no i I mean reality is how he looks, so he acts whatever I mean it, it's it, it's the whole of it right I mean it's it's everything that that came into play in regards to that play and, and it, it feels like, He's trying to make a name for himself. And this is how he's trying to make a name for himself as the bad boy, dirty guy that can get some tape and and get an opportunity to go to the national football league. So this isn't a guy that I think is trying to build roots here. I I could be dead wrong. Um, You know, I, I hope this is a turning point for him, right? I hope that he gets humbled. I hope that he's able to learn a lesson, right? Everyone makes mistakes. I've, I've made a lot of dumb mistakes in my life. Um, you got to learn from those mistakes, but you, you don't learn from those mistakes unless you're humbled from those mistakes. And, and to me, if it's a slap on the wrist, you know, the people basically, whether it's on social media or, or whether it's, pundits on TSN or whatever. I mean, he's probably going to just block out all that noise and say, Oh, these are just haters. Or, you know, he could take it to heart and say, you know what? I need to change because this, this isn't, this isn't what I want. I don't want to be, you know, the, the person that, that everybody hates. I, I think this works in professional wrestling, but even in professional wrestling, um, if you were to actually hurt somebody, right? Because oh, yeah. in the end, yeah, it's scripted, but people still get hurt, right? If you were to actually hurt somebody, even the professional wrestlers wrestlers that are playing the role of the heel would appreciate, oh, you know what? He's actually hurt. I better not be in character anymore. You know what? I'm just going to shut my mouth and
1: yeah, and yeah. kind
0: of exit stage right.
1: Don't go there, I think is the expression you're looking for. You just shouldn't. Hey, uh, let's forget about that guy. Let's talk about the other guy. Uh, tell me a little bit about the injury and uh, what are you hearing in terms of rehab and that kind of stuff? What, what are you hearing?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's not ligament damage. It's not ACL, which was, like, the the big concern, uh, especially for a player that is coming off uh, a, a big-time injury, yeah. you know, before the pandemic. So, um looks like 10 to 12 weeks, maybe. Um, you know, and, and I feel for him, I, you know, he's new to Ottawa. Um, I've done a couple of events with him early in the season, either before the season or, um, you know, or early on in preseason and you know, what, what, uh, what a great family guy that has certainly done a great job of ingratiating himself into this community. Uh, he's been in Hamilton since 2014. And learning the league, and then you know, starting in the league, and you know, a guy that you know, every every time he was in Hamilton, he, he wasn't really viewed as the guy, right? It was it was and then then he got the opportunity, but they brought in Johnny Mansell, and then it was Dane Evans who was battling with them, and eventually uh, they decided to keep Evans and and move away from Masoli. So coming to Ottawa, it was a new lease on life for Jeremiah Masoli, getting the opportunity to be the starter. You know, there's no one here battling for that job with him. And, you know, I, I really like the way that he conducted himself uh, with his teammates, with the media, and most importantly, just with fans. Uh, perfect face of the franchise so far. So to see him go down after four games, uh, it, it's, it's tough to see, for sure, from a personal standpoint. And now... You know, it's, it's going to be up to Caleb Evans, who we saw start seven games last year, and Tyree Adams, who looked really good in preseason, all-time passing leader at Western Carolina, real great athlete, but made some good decisions in preseason. So we'll we'll see what we get here, but it's it's tough, again, on a franchise that, you know, there, there was so much hope in the offseason by what they did here, and fans were, you know, pretty excited that this is a team that, could absolutely turn the corner again. And now your starting quarterback goes down. And again, it feels like a lot of that hope has faded away.
1: This has been an interesting uh, podcast for us because this was not what we planned at all through the weekend. And then we walk in and we start, Robin and I start chatting before we start taping. And Robin goes not off the deep end, legitimately goes off the deep end, I guess is probably the best way to put it. And then we get a hold of you. You're a busy kind of guy. Can we just kind of flip the topic a little bit here and talk about the hockey club that that you watch so carefully? Because they had themselves an interesting draft week. Where do you start? Well, uh, for me, Debrinkit is a great pickup. I, I, I love the kid. I think he plays exceptionally well. But I was surprised. I don't even know what Chicago is doing. But your thoughts on what happened with the Sens?
0: So, I'm Mr. Safety Sam when it comes to bold moves, right? Remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, your your pal Mac T uh, with, with the uh, infamous bold move statement. Yes. Uh, yes. Love, love Craig Metavish, by the way. And he was on last week with the, us. Yeah. Yeah. Look, glad to see he's back in the National Hockey League. But, you know, this, this is a team, I'm not. I'm kind of safety Sam. I love what Joe Sackett did, right? Colorado, slow and steady and nothing too crazy. But but this is an Ottawa team and an Ottawa franchise that I I think needed something like this. They've got a lot of good young players on the roster. They've got some good young players still in the organization that are still to come. Um, You know, some with... Northern Alberta roots, right? Jake Sanderson. I you mean, know, I grew up with the Sanderson family in, in St. Albert. And and Jake, I think, is going to be a, a terrific addition to the Senators. Blue Line, Zach Ostapchuk's another player. I mean, he had an awesome playoff uh, with the Vancouver Giants this past year. And Ridley Gregg, another Western boy, uh, Mark Gregg's son. Um, a, a player that's kind of cut from the same cloth as uh, Nazem Kadri in terms of you know, agitator, but physical player and highly skilled as well. So they've got some really good players that are coming up in the system. And with the number seven pick in a year like this, I mean, it's interesting. The number seven and eight players on Bob McKenzie's list, and, and that's, of course, aggregated. Uh, it's built through, you know, scouts that, that give their ranking. I mean, those guys, they dropped, you know, almost 10 spots or more. Lekker, Amaki, and, and uh, Kemmel as well. So I think this was the year at number seven. Look, if they were picking the top three or four and they had a chance at a Slavkovski or a Wright or a Cooley or one of those players, then, then maybe you don't do it. But where they were at seven, where it was a little bit more, you know, there's probably at, at that point 10 or 12 players that you could kind of look at. Yeah, I kind of feel like this was the year to do it. And, and this fan base hasn't had a lot to cheer about in terms of off ice moves. I, I think of, you know, Edmonton being there in that market for so long and seeing, okay, uh, Luke Richardson goes, then Cujo goes, then Doug Waite goes, then Bill Guerin goes. And all of a sudden, remember the buzz, you know, post-lockout when, you know, not just Chris Pronger, but Mike Pekka came in in the off season. And I get, you know, they had one good year and kind of the decade of darkness, but... Um, you look at this organization and the fan base needed something like that. So, yeah, I, I think it's encouraging. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in terms of they, – they still need a defenseman that can play in their top four. I know they're they are going to be shooting for someone in that uh, vicinity. Can they get a Mackenzie Weger? Can they get a Jacob Chikrin, which would cost, you know, certainly more than I think a Weger would. He's got one year left on his contract. Can they find somebody – that can play in their top four. That's easier said than done, right? Everyone's looking for top four defensemen. But if they can get that top four defenseman uh, and maybe give up some assets that, you know, they didn't have to give up to get to Brinkett. That's the thing I like about the DeBranket deal is, okay, you gave up the first and then the second and the third, but you didn't have to give up any prospects for your organization. Uh, maybe maybe some of those guys can be dealt to, to bring in, that defenseman and 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 also with free agency around the corner you know there's talks that a guy like Claude Drew might want to come home might want to go to Edmonton as well so we'll wait and see on that front but uh, you know all of a sudden if they can get a defenseman teams look at Ottawa and say okay they're serious um, this is a place where I can come in and, and potentially win sooner than I expected so I, I think this is a team that's kind of destined to turn the corner. But again, just because it's looking good on paper doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's going to work out. Yeah, it's going to happen. Right. You got to find a way to turn what looks good on paper to wins. We see that with a football team here in Ottawa because it was a pretty good offseason for the Red
2: Blacks as well. <laughs> you you mentioned right. Uh, given the way he was mugging into the crowd there, uh, it looked for a while like he might drop to the senators <laughs> before he actually got uh, picked up. That was a, a bizarre situation. But AJ, you, when you touch about t- talk about DeBrinket and touch on getting something done now, we've seen that here. Um, it's great to have the kids, but if you're all kids and all three or four years down the road, we're going to be really good. It usually means you're not very good in the here and now, if that's all you've got. Um, There's some immediacy now uh, in Ottawa, and I think fans will be a little bit more patient if they sense a team can, if not truly contend, at least be truly competitive from game one to game 82. Is that what we're going to see now?
0: Hope so. Um, the last two years, they started poorly. Like, they were just dreadful yeah. coming out of COVID. And, well, you remember, it was, what, an 8-5 or a 9-5 game at Edmonton, and mm-hmm. Hogberg's in net, and there's a goal by Dreisaitl where, you know, he, he basically had two feet to shoot at, put yeah. it in. He didn't even celebrate, right? And and, and they are out of it basically two, three weeks into the season. And they came back the next year, and everyone talked about the start. And they started three, seven and one. And that was before they got hammered by COVID. If you remember this past year, they were the first team to get hammered by COVID. Right. Um, and, and then they won, I think they started four fifteen and one, they had a legit excuse for the second 10 games, but they started three, seven and one, put themselves in a difficult spot where, you know, the margin for error, um, you know, became very thin. And next thing you know, again, we're in November and the team's completely out of it. I, like, To me, it's not playoffs or bust next year. Look, you've added to Brinkett. If all of a sudden you get Giroux and Weger, something along those lines, then maybe you do say, okay, this looks like a playoff team. But right now, like this has to be a team that at least when you get to American Thanksgiving, you know, which is usually around the, the quarter mark of the season, you better be in the mix for a playoff spot. You better be playing at least meaningful games into March. And if you end up with 88 points and you miss the playoffs, well, that's a step, but you, you can't be starting the same way they have the last couple of years. So imperative that they have a good camp. And, and, and that's where, you know, it's a big off season for this team, not just in terms of acquisitions, they got to get their own guys signed. Like yeah. Josh Norris, like last year we saw, no doubt it hurt them. That Brady could no, they got him signed long-term. It's done. He's the captain. That's great. But he missed all the training camp from the start of the regular season. You, you can't be dealing with the same type of thing with your number one center in Josh Norris. So that, that's something that has to get done. Um, you know, hopefully before training camp and and certainly before the start of the season because this team just can't afford a bad start for the third straight season.
1: It's been a a tough year in Ottawa in some respects. Obviously, Eugene uh, passes away, but now there's some positive. There's a a lot more talk about a downtown arena. What's going on there? Or is it like Calgary where we're hearing great things and then all of a sudden when push comes to shove, it doesn't happen?
0: well, they've, they've won the bid, right? So that earns them the right, the the senators and Senator sports and entertainment group to negotiate a deal for the new look. I was, I was down there last night. I could tell you. So we have an event called blues fest that's held in a field, which is kind of right across from where a new downtown building would occur. It's just a little bit uh, west of downtown for those that uh, might know Ottawa a little bit. So, they put two, two stations at, at, at the LRT there, um, which basically the first station, Pemacy Station, it, it's, it's only there for, for future, right? There's literally nothing there unless you're talking about this week and a half at Blues Fest. You're not going to put two stations yeah. at an LRT station for 10 days a year for Blues Fest and you know, a short walk to the Canadian War Museum. This is clearly designed... Um, For something, right? To have a sports and entertainment center, right? So, the NCC is behind it. The the city is behind it. Um, It's good to see. You know, I I don't know if this would have happened if you know. Well, we'll we'll, in in hindsight, right? But given what happened the first time, when they were the preferred bidder the first time and it fell apart, uh, Eugene Melnick and John Ruddy, who were you know two of the Prime people involved at, at, at that stage and they're working together. Then they ended up suing each other and the suits are still, you know, like still the there. suit against his estate and the suit from his estate, they're still there. Right. So there's still work to be done on that front potentially, but yeah, I mean, it, it feels like a turning of the page. It feels like with his daughters and I don't know what their plans are long term, but there's been some good stuff. For example, you know, just between, Ottawa Sports and Entertainment and Senator Sports and Entertainment. And OSEG is the group that owns the Red Blacks, Ottawa 67s, and is in charge of, you know, everything at Lansdowne Park. Like, there was some real animosity between the two groups. And all of a sudden, you know, within weeks of Eugene Melnick's passing, you know, you you'd see the two presidents, Mark Gowdy and Anthony LeBlanc, joking on Twitter about different things. They came together on bidding for the World Juniors, for example. So it feels like the page has been turned in a lot of different respects and and that, uh, you know, they're going to do business a little bit differently going forward. So that's probably good news in terms of where this goes. But in the end, you know, that's only part of the story. You still need money, who's going to pay for it. Uh, you've gone through that whole rigmarole right in Edmonton, and Calgary's been dealing with it as well. That that can be a bit of a roller coaster. So uh, we, we still have an election in the fall, a civic election. Uh, there's going to be a new mayor in town. Jim Watson is not going to be involved. So there, there's, there's a lot of different elements here that, you know, who knows what the variables are going to be. But I, I do sense positive momentum momentum and you know all the various parties want to get this done the National Capital Commission you know when the senators came into the league had had no interest in a downtown arena yeah uh, but now they have a vested interest to get something done there so hopefully they can figure out the financials because it would be I think uh, a, a game changer not just for the franchise but for the city to have that type of building downtown. Oh, one, one last note on this. It's funny because media that comes in from the National Hockey League, they hate coming to Ottawa. They come in in the winter. They go out. The arena's in the West End. It's kind of like having... A, like I'm from St. Albert, so, but it'd be like having an arena in the middle of Oakmont, right? And you stay at a hotel in the middle of Oakmont. There's no restaurants by the hotel. You kind of feel isolated. It's dark, it's cold, all that. Like, media despise coming here. And I get that, you know, it's not just about what the media wants, but it's just an interesting look into you know, your own city and how people view it. And I think you want people to view it from a positive standpoint. <laughs> I can tell you when it comes to the Canadian football league, when media comes into town, when people come into town, it's one of the favorite stops of every in of the CFL people are downtown. Um, you know, they, they love the city, you know, you go for a walk on the canal and that sort of thing. I, I think it would be a game changer in terms of the perception in this city. So hopefully it gets sorted out. Uh, because uh, you know, certainly the organization needs it, but uh, I think it would be great for the city as well. <laughs>
2: it's all I could think of when you were talking about that was the spending two or three nights at the Long Island Marriott. There was another oh, place. It was been there. Been oh there. yeah, yeah, miserable, miserable. For all the tradition and the cups they won there, it was a crap building and a crap location, and oh my goodness. Thinnest hotel
1: walls, I've, I honestly, the thinnest <laughs> hotel walls I can ever remember any place through the National Hockey that I ever traveled. Uh, and I'm with you. Edmonton also fell into that same category. People didn't like coming here in the middle of January. Still don't. However, now... With the, uh, the hotel attached to the arena, it's made it far more bearable, and it seems like the visiting media are a little happier. Okay, before we go, we launched this podcast today with me talking about the fact we're into week five. And I still, and this is a guy who grew up in the knothole gang, watching the other football club in this city at Clark Stadium, and then going into Commonwealth Stadium in 1977. And I haven't watched a single game yet, A.J., Week five, I haven't watched a single game yet. Attendance numbers are not great to kick off this season. Am I overreacting by not watching, or am I overreacting or not overreacting by the fact the numbers are down everywhere across the league?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I can't speak. I've never, the one thing for me, it doesn't matter the sport, right? And I watch a lot from hockey to soccer to basketball to football, a little bit of baseball, some other stuff as well. I never judge people based on what they watch and what they don't watch. So, um, you know, the Canadian Football League has some work to do. There's no doubt about it. And I I felt, you know, I started, like, I, I mean, I've been a Canadian Football League fan since the early 80s. I remember the, the tail end of the dynasty in Edmonton with Warren Moon and Jim Germany and Dan Capley and all the greats that, that played, that won five in a row from huh. 78 to 82. So I remember... 81 and eighty two I remember distinctly the first few years I was a little young, but I I've been a CFL fan for a long time. And I remember in the eighties when the two dynasties kinda overlapped. Right. You know, Eskimos when they were called the Eskimos and, and, and Oilers
1: and When they were called oh, the Oilers.
0: Even, yes. How <laughs> oh, even in the late eighties, you know, you'd get forty five, fifty thousand for Edmonton Games you know, at Commonwealth Stadium, right? And they were as big as the Oilers in their heyday when they were one of the best teams in the history of the game. Yeah. So it it slipped, right? And I don't know exactly the point where it started slipping, probably sometime in the mid-90s, I'm going to say. And, you know, early 2000s, they had Ricky Ray and they went to – you know, one, two or three Grey Cups in 03 and 05, but then it kind of slipped again after that. But I've really noticed both in Edmonton and Calgary, since they started calling games in this league in 2014, and, and you get a pretty good sense when you go on the road, Yeah. right? Like in Toronto, for example, CFL interest is completely non-existent, like completely non-existent, uh, unless you go to the state. But you know, when you go to restaurants, you you're in a taxi, you're at the hotel. When you go to bars, whatever it might be, right? Like non-existent there. When you when you go to Vancouver and Montreal, um, you know, Pockets. off the radar. Yeah, off the radar. It's not completely um, completely zero like Toronto, but off the radar for sure. And then you go to places like Saskatchewan, where it's like the biggest thing in town. But I've noticed in Edmonton and in Calgary over the last few years. Uh, big time slipping in, in terms of just butts and seats yeah, and just overall interest buzz around town, right? And I've been concerned about that. And, and I think, you know, the numbers are finally, you, you look at, you know, crowds in the 2021 range, which isn't terrible for the Canadian Football League, but I think for those markets, especially with how good Calgary has been, that's concerning, right? Because yeah. all of a sudden, like imagine if Calgary... Was as bad as Edmonton is the last couple of years. Maybe those numbers are down to 15, 16, right? So 21 can turn to 16 in a hurry. Ask BC. BC, well, like when I was first doing games in the league in 2014, like they were getting 30,000 a game. Yeah. And, and now, you know, that new ownership and I think they're doing some good things, but still, right? They had Winnipeg there as a marquee matchup, they had 17,000. So it's, it's, again, still better than Toronto, but, you know, they've got a lot of work to do, right? I guess well, I, some people say that the CFL is dead, right? And I, I, I certainly don't subscribe to that theory, but they've got a lot of work to do. There, there's no doubt about it. They've got a lot of work to do, especially in the markets where, you know, there are other options, you know, when it comes to professional sports and entertainment, most notably the ones with, with NHL teams. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is concerning for sure. And, and I don't know how you turn fans that have never really been into the Canadian football league into CFL fans. I think it's one thing to try and turn somebody that might be 45 years old that grew up with a CFL, cared about the CFL, maybe watch watches more NFL than CFL. Now, at least there's a base of interest there, but for some people, right, there's no base of interest. They, they never really covered it or followed it or watched it or anything like that. And I don't know how you turn those people into fans. That That's uh, it's a tough goal. They got a lot of work to do for sure.
2: Well, it is a, t- it is going to be a tough go, AJ. That's hit the nail right on the head there. The new group that's here, it's going to take some time. The old group, when you throw in COVID and the uh, people that were running the show at the top here uh, the last couple of years, they didn't do a good job with connecting with the community. Um, you know, if you're really good on the field uh, and you win, you can get people in the door. If your football team's only okay, but you're really good at marketing and you give have people going home saying, that was worth the money we spent. That was entertaining then you're okay. But when you're crap on the field and you're crap in the community, you got no place to go. And that looks like it's going to change now. I mean, I don't know how much you know about Victor Quee, the fellow that's been brought in here. He seems like a very smart guy. And in a real grassroots level way, not in a slick way, um, if they can be competitive, and that's a big question mark when you look at what's happening on the field right now, um, if they can get competitive and turn things around off the field in the marketing, I think they've got a chance. I think Vancouver has a chance. I I was going to Empire Stadium when they were when they filled that park. I was going to BC Place when they needed the upper deck. Um, It can be done. There's a lot more choices now, but if something's cool, it's cool. The NFL doesn't have the market cornered on coolness. Uh, Maybe it has for a while, but the CFL can get in on that too. You just want something you can get on your phone. that has got some brand recognition. that has got some star power. The guys don't have to be making 5 million bucks a year to have that. You can make it something that's uh, a cool brand. That's what I find kids want. That's what I hear in my own house. We got a, a 16 year old here. Um, he doesn't know uh, Joe cap from Andy cap, but uh, he knows when he sees something that looks like it's a lot of fun. And I think that's where you got to start now get to get fans back into this game. Joe cap to Andy cap. That's kind of an old analogy there, Robin. <laughs> I don't think kids I even saw, know who I Andy watched- cap was. I watched Joe cap play for the BC lions. That's how much of a fossil <laughs> okay. I am. Well, here's the
0: thing. Uh, there's probably a lot of people that know Joe cap is based on. Yes. His battle with Angelo yes. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs>
1: well, only because ESPN ran it, you know, uh, ESPN ran that thing. Like it was crazy. Hey, listen, we got to go before we go here. Uh, I'm noticing on your wall an interesting couple of uh, what's on your wall there. Explain and describe to everybody what we're seeing that people are not. What is that? Well, it's very familiar let's, to me.
0: Let's see here. Let's go here first. There's uh, some old Edmonton tickets. Huh. I like the Colorado Rockies one. You got a great cup. You got some baseball
2: so a trappers ticket there. Yeah. There's these trappers, are all, all look at university ads.
0: So, yeah. And cool. then I uh, got, got some soccer games here from there's an England game. There's a Celtic Rangers game. There's Manchester United and the champions league. So yeah, it's, you know, it's one of the things that I miss about basically going to sporting events and tickets I like traveling and going, going to sporting events. Uh, just, the, the physical tickets that you get, right? Now uh, you got to
1: download it off your phone and print it off. Yeah, it's not the same anymore.
0: Not the same. It's not the same for sure. But, what are you, you uh, going
1: to do, by the way, with your world cup tickets for the games in Edmonton? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me, let's not go down that road. We've seen what the fields are capable I, you know
0: what, of. I'm just focused. I'm going to Qatar. Yes. So that that's all I'm focused on. Are you right going to be now, our guy? What, by the way,
1: in Qatar coming up in November and December, will you be our guy? Whatever you need, okay. whatever you need, I'll be there. All right, great. Hey, uh, thanks for the sudden appearance I, I, on well, this. you know I won't be drunk
0: because you won't be able to get a beer there, so.
1: Is that the word? Not no beer? I don't
0: do that type of thing much anymore anyways, but I'm um, kind of a two-beer guy now. Okay, all right.
1: <laughs> two-beer an hour or two-beer? No, two-beer. Okay. Hey, I got a quota now. Doctors <laughs> say I got a quota, so I don't.
0: Uh, I don't go beyond that.
2: Well, I tell you what, the way this whole show got set up, you can't you can't sneak a good idea past two veteran reporters. We're gabbing about this Marino stuff, and all of a sudden, Bryn says, hey, we should call AJ. Yeah. <laughs> and now we got a good hour of stuff. Right out of the blue. In Ottawa, it's perfect. If only you could Happy talk day. a little
1: bit. If only you had the ability to be a little more loquacious. Huh. You know? <laughs> Hey, uh, Uh, thanks for your time, man. This has been outstanding. Uh, It's good to get your take on a lot of other stuff, too. The timing was good, because I was really impressed with what Ottawa did last week, the Send. So the timing was fantastic. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Yeah, cheers, guys. Anytime.
1: Hey, The Outsiders is brought to you by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. I was chatting with Brent just a few days ago as it's winding down a little bit. He's into the summer months. It's not as crazy as the spring was. Where they were setting all sorts of records. But now is a great time. If you're thinking of selling or buying a new home or a previously owned home, now's a great time to get a hold of everybody. 2022 has been sensational. And you, uh, hey, listen, we have no idea where interest rates are going to go in the next little while. So if you're just kind of sitting on the edge, Now's a good time to jump in. But you know what? Don't hear it from me. Get a hold of Brent or any of his team over at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. The phone number is really simple. It's 780-464-0075. You can also find them online at McIntoshGroup.ca. Both buyers and sellers can give them a call. They'd love to hear from you. And one last thing. When you do get a hold of them, tell them that the outsider sent you. So there you go. Big thank you to AJ Jakubik from uh, Ottawa for joining us on the podcast today. The timing just seemed right. You know, you and I always have this little chit-chat before we start taping this thing. And today you were so emotional about that CFL story that it only made sense we pick up the phone and and get AJ on the Zoom call and get him on the the podcast today. And also Ottawa had a pretty good week NHL-wise. Okay, the Edmonton Oilers, we don't know what's going to happen here. The Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames are going to be a fun watch for me this week for a lot of reasons. One, let's focus on Calgary. Johnny Goudreau, do you think he's going to re-sign there?
2: I tell you what, the longer it doesn't happen, the uh, smaller I, I think the chances are. When guys get a chance to go look around, coming off a season like he just had, uh, that may be a one-in-a-career uh, opportunity. Event. Yeah, you, you know you can become a free agent more than once, depending on the length of the contracts you sign. But coming off what's easily your best year, hmm, that's a home run if you want it to be. Uh, how much money do you need? If he's really happy in Calgary and they're close. We've seen many of uh, what we like to call with the, here's the air quotes, the uh, Quoty fingers. hometown yeah. the hometown discount. Right. If he's really happy. And, the, and you know what? The flames are a pretty good hockey club. Uh, yes. Um, it, yes, they like are. Stay, not staying with a bottom feeder. If he chooses to stay, you don't want to take comfort and, and what you're used to over the unknown. If, if, you've got that sort of sense of adventure in you and there's a big difference in money and you feel like you got a chance to win. If Johnny Goudreau can get a big stack of money uh, and a chance to win, and that doesn't take place in Calgary, uh, why wouldn't you take it? Uh, The players don't need to be uh, any more loyal to the teams than the teams are to the players. It's a business. And I think he's staying because I think uh, the
1: grass is not always greener on the other side. I think he's playing on a really solid hockey team that's got a great chance to win it all. And he can be one of the major reasons why they do it. This year, I think they learned a lot of lessons by how they played the season. And I think that they learned even more lessons by how it came crashing down for them in the postseason. So I I think he's in a good position there. If he can maximize the dollars by sniffing around a little bit, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do here, I suspect we're going to see him back in Calgary. Here's my favorite idea. My favorite part about podcasts like this, Robin, is that this could change later this afternoon. We're taping this on a Monday morning. By yep. Tuesday afternoon, it could be completely. He could be a flame. He could be a Philadelphia Flyer or a New Jersey Devil, for all we know. Then we also take a look at the Edmonton Oilers situation. Jack Campbell is one of the guys, and Darcy Kemper is the other guy. We hear those two names a lot when it comes to targeting in on a uh, a netminder. I'm a believer it's going to be Jack Campbell, and the reason I believe that is because I know that Campbell and Zach Hyman are very close. I was always impressed by Zach Hyman, who, along with his better half, came to Edmonton, toured around the city. Nobody even knew they were here. And, of course, the better half liked it, but, of course, you're seeing it in the summer. Anyway, but liked it, and they were sold. on. I'm convinced that there was some talk between players, and we know that always happens, but I'm beginning to wonder whether or not Zach who was a great signing by this hockey club, has also worked his magic to get a Jack Campbell here as opposed to a Darcy Camper. I wouldn't have any trouble with that. But, of course, things, once again, could go in a completely different direction by tomorrow. But I'm expecting that it'll be Campbell here.
2: Well, you, need, you always need to look at, um, I call them the ties that bind, the history of relationships, be it teammates, be it coaches with coaching staffs, no, you can't just hire your buddies and go play where your buddies play. It's all, it's a case of all things being equal. Would you like to be somewhere where you like and trust the people that are there? Um, this is a situation. My understanding is there's some connection uh, between uh, aside the players aside between uh, Hyman's wife and uh, Campbell's wife Okay, that they may, they may have had a chat, you know, and, and, that's not a team. Uh, there's no tampering there. Players, no, none. players can talk, and certainly wives can talk and tell us what it was like, you know, and let's not forget uh, you got uh, Cody Cece here as well. Correct. Uh, and and uh, Tyson Berry who spent time in Toronto. So, you know, you can make a call and get a real idea. You, you, you know what the money is going to be. The agents take care of that, but you can say to somebody who's a friend, What's it like there? And you're not getting bullshit. You're getting what you ask the question, they're going to tell you, well, we know about the winters, but I'll tell you what, there's this and there's this and there's that, and uh, we really loved it. Or, you know, make sure you get paid because it really sucks to live here. I'm not saying that's what would be said. Yeah, but that could be
1: said. You're right.
2: When people are, you know, there's towns where I'm sure that conversation is had, man, nobody cares about hockey here or the town's not very good or whatever. Um, People get the real goods by talking to their friends. I think if Jack Campbell's got the real goods by talking to their uh, friends with the Oilers and given the uh, trajectory the Oilers are on now, um, they've still got to do some work to to you know, match what they did last season, let alone improve on it. But there are far worse places than Edmonton to be right now. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreis-Idle, uh coming off a Western Conference final appearance, uh nice new arena. Yeah, uh, A lot of reasons a player would want to be here. See,
1: you bring up the the other couple of points here. Yeah, you have Dreisaitl, you have Connor McDavid. However, that only goes so far. But when the team gets to the Final Four... And it's funny, I've heard so many people be negative about the way the season ended here, losing to Colorado, I'm going, okay, just stop a second here. They won it all. They won the Stanley Cup, and you got to the Final Four, and you're bitching, whining, and complaining, Steve, please, will you knock it off? Like, I know that that that's what Twitter is known for, is for being a toxic place. However, Final Four played a hell of a series against the Calgary Flames to move on to the Final Four. But that to me is a bit of a selling point. And at, at the end of the day, you're gonna cash a check here and you got a shot at winning and you get to play with those two guys. I'm not really sure how Evander Kane's gonna handle things here over the next couple of weeks, but uh we'll we'll watch that one very, very carefully too. I guess we better
2: bolt. Uh, that's long yeah. enough. Do you have anything else you want to contribute? I would just say because like you say, this things can change quickly. Um I think they were serious. The club was serious, and I believe Kane and his agent were serious about at least looking at if Edmonton could do something. Despite all the cap space that the Oilers uh, bought themselves at the draft with the Cassian trade, um, the, the retirement by uh, – there goes my brain now. It's Duncan, Duncan, Keith. Duncan, Duncan, Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith. Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got about 20 million bucks to work with. I still don't think they get uh, Evander Kane back. And because, like I say, it's home run city. And you know what? You deserve it. Won't get into the other stuff. Why I would be against giving him a lot of term. Um, but he's earned it and he's going to get it. So I can't see any scenario where he comes back. So they need to replace him. I think the goaltending will be fine. If they can find a defenseman, I th- I don't think that this year, this season is going to be a one-off. And that's what you want. You don't want to see that drop-off because let's face it, Kane played a big part in what we saw from this club this year. He was, he's a perfect fit. Um, Whether or not he's a perfect guy, I don't know, but he's a perfect fit. And look what he did in his time here. Looks like he's not back. So if the goaltending is fixed and they can find a reasonable facsimile to take uh, Kane's spot, uh, there is going to be a chance to win here.
1: Our season is winding down. We're going to take a bit of a break in August and September, and then we'll be all ready to go for the start of the next NHL season. But you can check us out on Twitter. The handle is simple. It's at Outsiders2020. You can also drop us an email at TheOutsiders at Shaw.ca. That's the Outsiders at Shaw.ca. Make sure you tell your friends who, uh, to follow or subscribe to our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, you know, wherever you're listening to us that's your favorite ear candy site. And we're also on YouTube as well. Robin records from the Lucky Sam Studio in Southwest Edmonton. I'm recording from downtown Edmonton at the Road 55 Studio. Robin, that's it for uh that's it for this one. Thanks for your time and we'll talk to you next week. You sure we will. Road 55.